This is Michelle from Today's Followers. This podcast is a place where people can learn who they are in Jesus Christ and their purpose in life. Each episode will help you walk on a path that leads to following Jesus Christ and to walk with other believers into a life full of joy, peace, love, and victory. Thank you for joining me on this journey. Welcome to another episode with today's followers. Today I'd like to talk to you about waiting. In life, people are always waiting on something or someone. Most people do not like to wait. We often get frustrated waiting on fast food or waiting behind the slow car in the fast lane. We are always in a rush to get to the next place or the next thing. We want whatever or whomever we are waiting on to be resolved so that we can get on with our lives. Our world is a society that has grown accustomed to immediate gratification. Due to modern technology and all of our conveniences, such as computers, smartphones, refrigerators, microwaves, fast food places, airplanes, and so on, we have many things immediately at our fingertips. Just think of the speed of the latest computer or smartphone technology in comparison with the computers and cell phones of only a few years ago. Even in our modern age of conveniences, waiting is still a big part of our lives. When we think of waiting, what comes to your mind? We might have visions of an airport terminal, a doctor's waiting room, the line at the supermarket, or being stuck in rush hour traffic. The simple fact is, in spite of our modern age and our dislike for waiting, life is full of waiting. A definition of waiting is the action of staying where one is or delaying action until a particular time or until something else happens. Some other words that we can use for waiting are to abide, expect or look forward to, or to remain. One of the important things of the Bible is the call to wait on the Lord. Even though God promises special blessing for waiting, waiting is one of the most difficult things from the scriptures. Why is it so hard? Because as a part of our fallen humanity, we are so prone to take matters into our own hands to follow our own schemes. Yet over and over again, we are told in scripture to wait on the Lord. In Psalm twenty-seven, fourteen, it says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. We wait for all sorts of things, but what does it mean to wait on God? Wait on him for what? Psalms twenty-seven, thirteen, and 14 says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. We wait on the Lord to act, to, to deliver, to save, to avenge, to answer our prayers, to provide for our needs, to renew our strength, to reveal his glory, to do what only God can do. We wait on him because he is God and we are not. As we wait on the Lord, he changes us and strengthens us. We wait all the time. 
We wait to fall asleep at night. We wait on responses to emails or texts. We wait on meetings or appointments. We wait on people or we wait for our paycheck to hit that bank account. What are some of the things you are waiting for? Here's an example of waiting. You're waiting at the doctor's office, the waiting room, a land where time seamlessly stands still. It is a place where life is put on hold. In my doctor's office, it feels like hours have passed, and yet when I look at my watch, it's only been about 20 minutes. When we are in the waiting room, it seems as if progress has come to a screeching halt. Just as you are sitting in the waiting room, quote-unquote, waiting, and it appears like nothing is happening, you sit there wondering if the nurse is ever going to call you back, and, and you ask yourself, Where are the doctors and nurses, and what are they doing behind there that is taking so long? But because you cannot see what is happening behind that door, you think that the time that you are spending sitting in that waiting room is for naught, and that you are wasting your time, and that God is not listening to you, and that he is not concerned about your needs. But what you do not know is that behind that door that separates the waiting room and the doctor that you are there to see is action happening. The nurse and doctor are preparing for you to come into the patient room so that they can address your needs. You can get impatient and leave the waiting room and go somewhere else, but you will not be able to see the doctor and will not get the proper treatment that you need for your situation. Just like us waiting in the waiting room to see that doctor, we need to trust in the waiting process that God is doing things behind the scenes to prepare you for your situation. We need to trust God in this process, this process of waiting. This mindset of not wanting to wait often carries over into our spiritual lives with us rushing to the next best thing. But while most of us are in a hurry, It seems God is usually not in a hurry. The scripture says God is slow and going about things. It says he always has a plan and a purpose for everything. The problem with waiting is not having all the details. From our perspective, we have everything figured out and we want God to move within our time frame. But God rarely does things according to our time frame. And because of this, we can easily get discouraged. If we aren't careful, we'll think that God is uncaring or mad at us. Here is another example of waiting in God's timing. You are about to head out of the house to go to a very important meeting or to go eat to your favorite restaurant or you're just going to go run some errands that day. You have just gotten dressed and you grab that cup of coffee in your favorite travel mug and head out the door. As you are getting into the car, your entire cup of coffee is spilled all down the front of your shirt. After the initial response of the liquid being poured down your shirt, you get out of of the car to, to access the damage, only to see that there is no way that you can be seen in public with your now coffee-stained shirt. So you go back into the house to change clothes. A few minutes later, you find yourself finally in the car driving down the street towards your destination, only to now find yourself being stuck in a traffic jam. You sit there and think of some nice or not-so-nice thoughts, 
But overall, the thoughts of, I am only trying to get from point A to point B. Traffic is backed up for blocks or maybe even miles with no end in sight. You sit there in your car frustrated that you are having to wait and are trying to find an alternate route so that you can get to your destination sometime in this lifetime. (laughs) But to no avail, you find yourself just having to sit there to endure sitting in the backed up traffic. As you finally approach the area that is causing all the traffic being backed up, you see a horrible automobile accident that had just occurred very recently. You have the thoughts in your mind, or maybe it's God himself speaking to you, that as inconvenient as it might have been, if you had not spilled that coffee down your shirt when you were trying to leave the house, you might have very well have been part of this horrible car accident that you are now seeing. I think this is a good example of having to wait on God's timing. In Isaiah forty thirty one, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Even the young fit and strong, will experience exhaustion and an end to their strength. Everyone will need to rely on God and wait for His help. Waiting on God is good for us. If God acted immediately every time we cried to Him, we would be in control and not Him. We would call the shots and we do not possess His wisdom. Having to wait causes us to learn to trust Him, to trust His timing. What does the phrase, wait on the Lord, mean to you? What did Isaiah mean when he wrote those words, to wait upon the Lord? To actively wait on God, fill your mind with the truth about God's character, especially as it pertains to your situation. In Colossians 3, 2, Paul says, to set your mind on things above and not on earthly things. It may take some practice to deliberately set your mind on anything but your problems, but you can use your worry to generate reminders to set your mind on things above. Find a specific Bible verse that pertains to your situation. Write it on a card or make it a background picture on your phone. Anytime you find yourself worrying about your situation, Pull out that card or your phone and read that Bible verse. If you are waiting on healing, search out Bible verses and stories that describe God as your healer. In Mark 6:56, Jesus healed generously and joyfully. In Isaiah 53:4 through 6, Jesus provided healing for all generations on the cross. If you are waiting on provision, immerse yourself in the truth that God takes care of his children. In 2 Corinthians 9, 8, God is able to bless you abundantly. In Matthew 6, 25 through 34, Jesus teaches us to look at how God takes care of birds and flowers for evidence of how he will take care of you. If you are waiting on direction or for a specific situation, dwell on the fact that God has promised to guide us. In Psalms 32, 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. In Isaiah 30, 21, this is the way walk in it.
Whatever your situation, let your concerns about it direct your attention upward to your heavenly Father who cares for you so deeply. Someone was stating the story. I was listening to a Christian radio station a few weeks back and happened to hear one of those little call-in promo such stations do. This promo featured a woman who had called the station to voice her appreciation for the station's influence in her life. I listened as she explained how she had interviewed for a job she really needed and had been forced to wait a week before finally hearing that she got the job. Upon hearing the news, she called the radio station and through tears talked about how we all just need to learn to be patient and to trust God. So there I am, driving down the interstate, listening to this woman's heartfelt testimony, and I'm thinking, wow, you had to wait a whole week? Huh. I've been waiting over 20 years on the fulfillment of a couple of promises that I feel God has made to me. Now, I don't use that illustration to devalue that woman's experience. I'm sure that to her, that week seemed like eternity. But to those of us, and you know who you are, who have been waiting a long, long, long time for God to do a certain thing, one week seems like child's play, right? Can any of you relate to this? Of course, the Bible stories of people waiting upon God are numerous. Abraham and Sarah waited 25 years to hold baby Isaac. Isaac and Rebekah waited 20 years to hold their twin babies, Jacob and Esau. Joseph waited 13 years to become a ruler in Egypt. Moses waited 40 years in Midian before returning to Egypt to lead the Israelites. Depending upon precisely how old David was when Samuel anointed him as king, he waited 10 or more years before reigning over the southern portion of Israel and another seven and a half before reigning over the whole land. The woman with the issue of blood waited 12 years before Jesus healed her. The woman who was stooped over and couldn't raise herself waited 18 years before Jesus healed her. Keep in mind now that, as far as we know, not one of these people added even one day to their waiting because of their disobedience or lack of faith. Their appointed times of their waiting were all somehow preordained by God, and all the praying in the world wouldn't speed him up any. His process had to run its course, and that's all there was to it. While there are some Bible cases of people adding years to their wait time, for example, the Israelites adding 40 years to their conquering of Canaan is a classic example. There are more cases in which the characters don't do one thing to deserve the incredible long years it takes God to answer their prayers. I often think of the people of Israel and their 400 years of bondage in Egypt. What were they doing in Egypt anyway? God had pulled them out of Canaan and sent them down there so that Joseph could sustain them during a great famine. At that time, the family patriarch had been Jacob, who ended up spending the last 17 years of his life in Egypt. In Exodus chapter 1, we find that all was well for Jacob's family in Egypt until Joseph died, and eventually a new pharaoh 
one who did not know Joseph, came to power. When this new Pharaoh looked at the people of Israel, all he saw was a threat from a race who reproduced at a far greater rate than the Egyptians and could potentially align themselves with Egypt's enemy during a time of war. In his mind, the Israelite threat had to be curtailed, and his way of doing it was to set taskmasters over them and force them to build cities for Egypt. Thus began not only four centuries of enslavement for the Israelites, but also four centuries of them crying out to God and begging him to deliver them. You see, Israel didn't do anything except mind God to get themselves into that fix, and they couldn't do anything to shorten their days of waiting on his deliverance. Whether they understood it or not, they were living under the time clock of a prophecy that God had spoken centuries earlier to Abraham, the father of their race. God told him in Genesis fifteen, thirteen through 14 and 16, Then he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, and will serve them, and they will afflict them for four hundred years, and also the nation whom they serve I will judge. Afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. But in the fourth generation they shall return here, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Really? The length of Israel's waiting in Egypt had as much to do with God delaying judgment upon the inhabitants of Canaan as it had to do with Israel. And so how should you today apply all of this to your life as you continue to wait on God to do a certain something in your life? Allow me to suggest two things. First, you should consider the possibility that your waiting has more to do with others than it does with you. The mere fact that God is making you wait doesn't necessarily mean that it's all somehow your fault. I guess it could mean that, depending upon your situation, but it doesn't have to mean that. Instead, it might just be that God is sorting some things out in the lives of of others in your orbit. Second, if you know that you know that you know that God has promised you something in your life, Hang in there with God and keep expecting the fulfillment of that promise until you receive it. Never forget that it's always too soon to stop believing. And today is not the day to give up hope. The Israelites in Egypt got no warning whatsoever that Moses was going to hit town one day with their deliverance as his destiny. But suddenly there he stood with Aaron we find in Exodus four twenty-seven through 31. What had changed? Had the Israelites finally somehow stumbled upon just the right words to, in prayer? No. Had they finally managed to do everything that God wanted them to do? No. Had they finally perfected their faith? Certainly not, as Moses would come to learn all too well. What had changed was the fact that God's time clock had finally struck midnight and it was time to begin a new season in the nation's history. Here's hoping that your clock is about to strike midnight like that. But before it does, you should make sure that you know how to handle the deliverance. The best advice I can give you is to follow the Israelites' example. The Bible says in Exodus 4.31, 
So the people believed, and when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he looked on their affliction, then they bowed their heads and worshipped. That three-step reaction to believe, bow, and worship will still work today to show God that you are not only ready for his deliverance, but appreciative of it. It's so much better than saying, well, it's about time, Lord. What took you so long? So you keep this in the back of your mind as you keep on looking for your Moses to hit town. Who knows? Today really could be the day.